BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like a full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. All from TireRack.com. TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be. Traveling for college hoops this winter? Pro tip, stay at a graduate hotel. They're obsessed with college basketball, just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni. Nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns. And get this, you can save up to 30% with the code DUG. That's my name, D-O-U-G. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio, live from the City of Angels, where um, Magic Johnson may have got his hat in some trouble. Oh, Magic Johnson. We'll get to that in one second. My man Petros Papadakis, who's uh, he ho- co-hosts the number one afternoon show in the City of Angels. We'll talk to him about Magic. Um, we may talk a little Doyers with him. Clayton Kershaw threw off the mound today. Uh, but we got a lot. Jared Goff statistically was really good. Uh, but is he actually going to be really good? A happy eclipse day to you. Did you step outside and watch the eclipse? Uh, I'm waiting for the president to take uh, take full credit for the eclipse. Did not happen during the pre- previous administration. He is technically correct. It happened bigly. It did happen bigly. Ramos, did you see the eclipse? I went outside, yes, to see a little bit of the partial eclipse here in uh, L.A. And uh, got a little dim outside. A little dim. Uh, yeah, it looked uh, it looked like a crescent moon, only the crescent moon was actually the sun because the moon was blocking it off. I tweeted out, Lord, just give us a 
give us a sign that we are running that we are uh, running amiss, right? Just give us a sign, like <laughs> block out the sun or something. No, no. Uh, all right, so look, we got college football this weekend. Did you know that? Stanford is playing against Rice down in uh, Australia this weekend. So we are, it is game week, kids. Welcome in. Plus, we got Mayweather versus McGregor. We'll be headed to Sin City on Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We'll be joining you live from Las Vegas. Anquan Bolden, the Quan, called it a career. He will join us in an hour and a half. We'll ask him, like, all right, dude, why are you, why are you, is it, is it the bills that cause you to quit? Like, are the bills so bad? You're like, you know what? This is truly the end of the road. He walked out there. He's like, I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't work for the bills. We kid, of course. And I will tell you in mere moments why Roger Goodell is getting a contract extension, even though many people in uh, my industry think he should be fired. That's because they're in the wrong industry. But but this Magic Johnson story is, there's parallels to it in your life. There's parallels to it in collegiate sports. And there's obviously parallels to it in professional sports. Like, there are certain things. Do you know this, that in Japan, it is part of the culture of Japan to have a mole, to have a spy embedded deep in your rival's company. Did you know that? That's like part of their culture. That, is, that it's accepted part of their culture. And so oftentimes what you see with Japanese car manufacturers is the cars, when they have a, a completely new body style, looks a lot like one another. And it's not one of these like, well, like minds think alike. No, it's more they all have spies and somebody comes up with a good idea. And they take it back to their company who's got a good idea and they just add to it. And like all these cars kind of look the same at the same time. Um. But there's a difference between breaking rules and cheating. And I think the, the best parallel to this is collegiate sports. Nick Saban breaks rules all the time in recruiting. There are secondary rules violations, times when you're not supposed to be able to talk to kids, when you're just the oldest, supposed to go and evaluate them, that Nick Saban and his staff have, uh, I've been told by multiple assistant coaches from multiple schools, hey, they'll just grab a kid, sit down with them in a private room and have a discussion with them after a practice they saw to which they're only supposed to evaluate and not supposed to make contact with. Now, that is breaking NCAA rules, but that is not, by I think anybody's estimation, cheating. Cheating is buying kids, changing their grades, covering up some sort of past or uh, present future criminal activity in order to keep them eligible. Those things are cheating, and those, they're not frowned upon, they're not allowed, and if you're found to have done them, you will, you will face the wrath of the NCA, and you'll be turned in by other universities. Whereas the rule-breaking, then nobody likes it, but nobody thinks that the rules are great. Nobody think it's, thinks it's that, that, that huge a deal that's much of a game-changer. That's the case with the NBA. Look, the NBA can't control whether or not your players are recruiting Paul George. The NBA can't control uh, what goes on on television shows in regards to being broadcast from L.A. and selling Los Angeles, selling the Lakers, selling the lore, the history, the salary cap opening. 
But what the Lakers are being alleged to have done is not breaking the rules. They're being alleged to have cheated. To have cheated. Hey, dude, you can't openly opine for Paul George to be on your team. This is the reason, by the way, that college colleges, when you transfer, unless you're a grad transfer, you have to sit for a year. You're like, why? why do they have to sit for a year? Because otherwise you would have mass tampering. You In the handshake line, you'd be like, you should play for us next year. Or even what Magic Johnson did on, was on Jimmy Kimmel, where you wink, wink, nudge, nudge, right? Like, you have to be more clever about it than Magic. If you're on vacation and you run into Paul George, are you not allowed to speak to him? No, we're going to say hi because we know each other. I you see. just can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be wink, winking like. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that means, right? <laughs> You know what I mean, right? Like, yeah, dude, we know what you mean, but you can't say you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Like, magic strikes me as, who is the guy? Uh, Ramos, you're the movie guy. Ramos, you're as much of a movie guy as I am. By the way, I'm catching up uh, catching up to speed on the Americans. That, that's, that's currently what I'm binging on. I know what you've been binging on. But do you, do you remember the, the scene from Goodfellas, Ramos, where... Great movie, Goodfellas. Right. Great movie. Great movie. Do you remember after the Lufthansa uh, heist and he, you know, he told uh, De Niro's character, told everybody not to buy anything? I do. Yes. All right. Do you remember who was the guy who bought something, bought his wife a Cadillac and he, and De Niro's like, Hey, I told you not to buy anything. It was the guy with the frizzy kind of frizzy hair, right? He, He had like the black kind of frizzy hair looking. I don't know his name, but I know who you're talking about. I remember him telling him when he did buy it, and he says, ah, just a- No, take it back. Yeah. Take it back. Take it back, right? That's what Magic Johnson reminds me of. Like, hey, look, we're all, we have a president who used to be an agent who has all these guys that, that, that he is currently recruiting without recruiting. We have two open salary cap spots. We we think we're going to get LeBron James. We're in Los Angeles. We think we're going to get the number one or number two overall pick. We like. You just can't go on national TV and be like, you know what I'm saying? Yes, we do all know what you're saying. So too does the commissioner. It looks bad. It draws attention to it. Take it back. Take it back. Don't buy anything. What did I tell you? What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you, Magic? Did I tell you not to say anything? Don't say anything about Paul George. Didn't I tell you not to say anything? Don't say anything at all. He could have gone full Robert De Niro to Jimmy Kimmel. Instead, he's like, ha, ha, ha. You know what I'm saying? He became he became the guy who bought the car and had to take it back. Now, look, cheating is, in this particular case, is really, really hard to prove. Okay? Really hard to prove, but it it's it's more this. Here's what the Pacers are saying: We're pissed. Right? You undermine the credibility of our organization. We had a player who was under contract for a year and a half, and all of a sudden he's like, "I want to go to L.A." Like out of nowhere. Like that's just not the way it happens. That's just not the way it works. 
And so now the Oklahoma City Thunder become the rebound team for Paul George, right? Because you don't want to go straight out of one relationship to the other relationship because then, you know, there has to be a rebound relationship. That's what it is for Paul George. And to add insult to injury, the Thunder are now probably not going to get Paul George either. Have you noticed that Russell Westbrook hasn't signed his contract extension? Would be the biggest contract extension in the history of the NBA. Five years, $217 million. And he has till October, but it's he has the paper. All he has to do is sign it. He has not signed it. There's a chance they lose them both to the Lakers if uh, if LeBron doesn't go. They're both from L.A. And they'll have a year of playing together, establishing chemistry. Or one could go to the Clippers, one could go to the Lakers. Or they could both go to the Clippers. Or they could both go to the Lakers. The bigger problem is magic. Don't say anything. What are you doing? There's a difference between breaking the rules and cheating. The Lakers are alleged to have cheated, not broken the rules. And the only way you know that they have cheated is that they got turned in by another team. The same thing is true, as I told you, with Nick Saban. The reason he hasn't been turned in by another team is all they've really done is broken the rules, right? Everybody thinks the rules are kind of stupid. But the second you go into your pocket, like Mississippi State turning in Mississippi, it gets now it gets serious. All right, I'll get uh, Petros Papadakis. Uh, one, he covers college football, the Pac-12. He's great. He does uh, Pac-12 and Big 12 for Fox. Got to get his take on on Darnold and on the likelihood USC is as good as advertised, as opposed to sneaking up on people uh, last year. Plus, what is he? What's his take on Josh Rosen? Two years in, heading into his third season. Get his thoughts on the Lakers and if Magic is screwing this thing up because he can't keep his trap shut. And am I wrong? But Jared Goff looked good this weekend. Like, really good this weekend. We'll catch you up on all that upcoming next. But first, are you hiring? I got a buddy who's hiring. And you know what he said? He's, uh, he's actually opening up a new business and he said the hardest thing to find is the right candidates for his job. He knows how much he wants to pay. He knows about who he wants to hire, but he just cannot find the right group of people to hire from, the right the right pool of people to hire from. So I told him what I'm going to tell you now. ZipRecruiter is the best place to handle all your hiring. You can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people for your job better than anyone else. I'm not saying you won't get people who apply for your job. You're getting the right people to apply for your job. ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter gets qualified candidate in 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Here's how you do it. My listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Doug. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Doug. One more time, try it free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Doug. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Mm. Mm-mm. 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 Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. 
Uh, sources say that uh, Trevor Simeon to be named the Broncos starting quarterback. I watched as um, uh, over the weekend the Broncos took on what the Niners. I actually watched that game twice. NFL Network replays the games a couple times. So I watched that game twice. And um, I don't necessarily think that Trevor Simeon won it as much as Pax, uh, Paxton Lynch lost it. Like you just, you watch Paxton Lynch and you're like, he, he ain't got it, man. He ain't got it, which is, I guess, stunning. And I also think it shows the difficulty in evaluating quarterbacks. Remember, this is only the beginning of year two. He was supposed to be redshirted year one. But here you have John Elway, who was a Hall of Fame quarterback, a two-time Super Bowl champion, and one of the all-time greats to play it and spin it and sling it. And even his best evaluations have given us Brock Osweiler and Paxton Lynch. So even guys that have done it doesn't mean they can evaluate it. And maybe even if you can't evaluate it, you don't do so uh, from your era to this era. Let's welcome in uh, Petrus Papadakis, who I think evaluates the sport as well as anybody who does it. Uh, he works. He got a bunch of jobs. He's got his own show, Petrus and Money, award-winning show in the afternoons on 570 AM, uh, which is the home of the Chargers. Plus, uh, for, shoot, better part of a decade, he's been a college football analyst, Big 12, Pac-12 specifically. He'll be doing Big 10 as well this year. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, did did you like Paxton Lynch when he came out? No. Uh, I mean, I liked how big he was and all those guys. And thank you for the kind words, Doug. Uh all those guys, I mean, they look great, you know, and that's kind of the difference between somebody like Andrew Luck or Sam Darnold. I mean, those guys look just like the rest of those guys. I mean, there was a quarterback at SC who ended up transferring to Hawaii named Max Wittick. Do you remember him? Sure, of course. I mean, that guy would walk into the room and you'd say, my God, you know, uh, he looks like an absolute Adonis. Uh, he looks like, you know, like Hackenberg. But it doesn't matter, uh, and especially if you're coming out of a shotgun situation with, uh, you know, five out almost every play, all hot routes, stuff like that, like Memphis was running when uh, Paxton Lynch was there. I mean, and I liked him. I liked his delivery and all those different things. I, I heard he wasn't that great on the chalkboard, but you're right. I mean, it's a crapshoot, and knowing, you know, which one of these guys is, is the guy to put – your entire future in and, and your career and stake your career when you have a chance to pick a quarterback or you have to pick a quarterback, it's become one of the most difficult things to do in sports. You know, out here in L.A., we have the whole Jared Goff scenario playing out, which is interesting. I was going to ask you about Goff. Statistically, it was better. Um, he's obviously with a in a completely different system. Last year's system felt very rudimentary in comparison to others in the NFL, and he wasn't expected to play, and they were kind of forced into a jam, into a tight spot to where they did play him. Now he's the guy in this new system. Is he as good as he has been as good as his stats would tell you if you didn't watch the game? Uh, I mean, you know, he's a he's a developing player. I don't think there's much. I mean, a guy can look good in the preseason. Obviously, uh, Deshaun Watson looks great and looks poised and looks like he did in college. And some guys translate in that kind of way. I mean, Dak Prescott is doing it. And they have to have talented players around him. It's professional football. But the golf situation, I mean, I remember the first year of Fox Sports 1, they, I went up and did sideline because Christina Pink got sick. So I went up and did sideline for uh, Ohio State Cal. And Goff was a true freshman playing. 
And I said, gosh, this kid has balls. You know, he was running all around, and guys like Shazier for Ohio State were knocking his head off, and he kept getting up, and, you know, they were getting beat, but he was completing balls and throwing it downfield and stepping up. And I said, wow, you know, I like this kid. Uh, As his career went on, I mean, he was a good player, but he was playing in Sonny Dyke's offense, which doesn't mean he's not an NFL prospect. But it means, you know, he's going to have a hard time just muscularly coming from under center in a five-step, three-step, seven-step, you know, the way quarterbacks are supposed to do, you know, like you breathe. So uh, it was going to be a longer process. And when you pick a guy number one, you do have to play. I mean, now nowadays, if you pick a guy number one, he's got to play. Sooner or later, he's got to be the starting quarterback. And uh, I, I think that that's just too far of a curve for golf. Now, he's got a better coach uh, as far as offensive uh, schemes go, reportedly. I mean, that's what everybody says. I mean, he was coaching under Jay Gruden, who called all the plays pretty much, I thought. But this guy does uh, reportedly know what he's doing offensively. So I would expect Goff to develop. I just never thought he should have been picked number one in the first place. Petra Papadakis joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, let's let's stick with L.A. The story I think you'll be talking about a bunch today on your show with Money Smith, in addition to football, is that the Lakers are being investigated for tampering with Paul George. It's like the worst-kept secret in the world that the Lakers wanted wanted Paul George and that Paul George wanted to go to L.A., but what are your thoughts on the idea that Magic Johnson just couldn't keep his mouth shut? Just, just hey, I can't talk about anybody else's. Instead, he had to be Magic and, <laughs> and answer questions about it. And wink, wink, nod, nod. And for that, it allows the Pacers to kind of unleash their bitterness uh, to the NBA towards him. Well, you know better than me. I mean, what happens if you get, I mean, if you get caught tampering? Is it like giving a recruit a pizza in Rick Majerus' hotel room? I mean, how bad of a situation are we talking about I, I think it's i think it's more like this is the difference in breaking rules and cheating in college football right like if you sit down and you give them a give a kid a pizza it's like nobody's going to turn you in for that but if you give a kid a you know a stack full of hundred dollar bills now all of a sudden they're going to call it's like did can your guys recruit and can you tell people you got a bunch of cash space yes but when you start to openly opine for specific players who are under contract with another team that's when all of a sudden one school will turn in another school. I think that's more what the Pacers are trying to link this to. But what to. happens, though? I mean, what happens? You can okay, lose you draft tampered. picks. You can lose, I mean, I, I don't know, NFL-wise. I mean, I guess you could lose draft picks if you want. You could, I don't know. Well, I mean, to me, it could prevent same. him from signing there, you know? Like, they already, they already took away Chris Paul from going to the Lakers. That wasn't yeah. tampering. That was different. It's, you know, it's interesting because when Magic got hired and then he hired Rob Palenka, uh, everybody was screaming in town, you know, either they were really, really happy or they were saying these people have no experience. You know, Magic's never been a GM of anything uh, other than the fat burger. So it kind of confused people. But then there was a, an incredible amount of buzz being developed, which cannot be denied, where you have guys like Paul George who actually want to play for the Lakers. You know, the Lakers haven't had a big free agent signing. I mean, the last big free agent that signed there is Ron Artest. Or Meta World Peace. I mean, nobody signed there for years. They got guys in trades and things like that, but they haven't signed a big free agent in years. So the fact that somebody kind of wanted to come, uh, I think, was overwhelming for them. And Magic, you know, was not experienced like Mitch Kupchak, who, you know, had been doing it for years and can avoid those kind of questions and is not a real public figure uh, in the same way Magic Johnson is. And I think if he's going to remain as the, the head of the team, which he will, they're, I think they're really happy with all the buzz that's been generated. 
uh, I think he'll get a little bit better at this kind of stuff. But I don't know what how bad the penalty is for tampering. You know, does Magic say dumb stuff? Yeah, all the time. All you know, time. not only that, but, you know, most of the time he just says the most rudimentary things, you know, like, hey, what are you going to do with the draft? Well, we're going to evaluate the players, and then we're going to pick the one that's best for us. It's like, okay, thanks, Magic. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not like Magic has been uh, – <laughs> No, I mean, you remember, know, the he's most the calculated like, like, speaker in the history of the world. I know, like I, I know, and he's always the thing about Magic is he's always gotten a pass for it, right? Like, remember when uh, when Jordan had the six threes in the first half against the Portland Trailblazers? You go back and watch, Magic was on the call of that game, and it was awful, right? And then I don't know, a couple years ago, ESPN's like, "Hey, remember Magic? Like, we should put him back on TV." And like, yeah, we should. Like, no, no, we saw Magic on TV. He wasn't good, and guess what? He wasn't good again. But he was delightful because he was Magic, and he was. Delightful in his own magic kind of rudimentary way, right? He has magic, and I got to say, you know, I mean, I can sit here and make fun of him and all the stupid things that he says and his smile and his three-day-late Twitter feed, if you're lucky. You know, it's like a month late. He's going to congratulate Russell Westbrook on winning the MVP any day now uh, on his Twitter. I mean, I could make fun of that all day, but the truth is, and I've been in this situation more than a handful of times uh, in a couple decades here in L.A., you end up in an elevator or in a room with that man, and he smiles at you and shakes your hand, you feel like the sun is upon you. You feel like, you know, and I'm the most cynical, hateful person on earth. But if magic smiles at you, you feel freaking special. Yep. No, no, and, I, I've been there, too. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, and that's, you know, that's what the Lakers uh, did. That's who they brought in. You know, is he going to say goofy things like, yeah, we're going to put Lonzo Ball's jersey next to mine? You know, ridiculous expectations on a rookie. You know, different things like that. Yeah, but he's magic, and he gets a pass for pretty much 90% of everything. You know, and that's just how it's going to be. You know, it was the same way with Dr. Buss. He was a wonderful man. Uh, you know, he had vices. People didn't really talk about him, you know, and because he was such a great guy to everybody. Everybody loved him. And there's people in this town that get a pass, and that's always the way it's going to be, and Magic's one of them. And, and that's what Jeannie hired. You know, I think she did a uh, – I'm starting to think she did something smart. Um, let me ask you about Rosen and Darnold right into your wheelhouse covering Pac-12 football, having played Pac-12 football Let's start with Rosen. Um, you know, everyone says bright. Everyone says true pro-style quarterback. But there have been a lot of questions about his body, not just because the shoulder broke down last year, but he hasn't necessarily developed into a man's body as of yet. And now there's the talk of, hey, you know what? He might be too smart for his own good and might not win an NFL locker room. What's your sense of Josh Rosen and how you evaluate him as a quarterback heading into his third season in Westwood? Well, uh, first, I want to remind everybody that Jay Cutler is getting $10 million to play this year. And uh, if that guy ever won a locker room, I'd like to be in it. So, I mean, uh, NFL quarterbacks are are very, very uh, tricky. You know, we were talking about it to start. So, uh, as far as being an NFL prospect, I think there's enough scouts that love him physically to where he will get drafted. Uh, Hi. Uh, what is the interview process going to be like for him? I don't know. You know, they don't really make him very available to us. Uh, I will say this. The shoulder is a concern to me, too. You know, obviously, everybody's going to look at it, and he's going to have a whole year to play and impress everybody. But 
you know, he was a tennis star. And I think if the family and he had his druthers, you know, he'd be playing in, in Wimbledon or he'd be, you know, getting ready for the U.S. Open in New York right now. Uh, his shoulder got wrecked uh, and he couldn't play tennis. And that's what he put him into football which explains a lot of the individualistic attitude that he has. You know, tennis is a different sport. You know, that's a sport where you fire the coach. <laughs> you know, football is certainly not that way. Uh, so uh, that would be a concern for me. But as far as, look, you know, remember the article that Famel wrote last summer and uh, Dennis Dodd wrote one, and he came off as the most arrogant little punk in both those articles, which were trying to be framed as positive by the the, the writers. Uh, I thought the stuff that he did this year was nothing like that. I didn't really have an issue with what he said. Those were discussions, you know, any pragmatic guy in a football or basketball or whatever locker room talks about as an athlete. I mean, we all had those conversations. Uh, I had no issue with that. You know, I just, he's had his third coordinator in three years. You know, I'm just looking forward to seeing what he's like. Uh, what about what about Darnold? There's a ton of hype, but he only he's started... like Jesus to me. And you know, I'm not you know I'm ultra critical of USC football, but to me, he's Jesus on a boogie board. Uh, he doesn't come from some weird quarterback camp like Steve Clarkson, the flesh flesh peddler, moving guys around. You know, he comes from a town where he played with the guys he grew up with. Uh, he's big and strong. He distributes the ball to everybody. That's been a problem at USC with pinpointing one receiver for years, and it wears out that player, and it doesn't help the team. Uh, he's certainly the opposite of that, throwing the ball to just everybody. I don't love their split backs run game, but uh, I think it's okay as long as Darnold's their quarterback. And uh, defensively, Clancy Pendergast has been a good coordinator in this conference, and they have USC talent. I think it's going to be SC Washington and the Pac-12 championship and the winner. Even though the conference is down, the winner will go to the playoff. Great stuff, man. L- I look forward to catching up in person. Sorry I missed all the tour sp- stops uh, <laughs> in Southern California, but I want to remain married and I want to remain sober for the drive home. That's that's why. I oh, you're not going to find a girl there, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch up soon, Petros. Have a great one. Thanks for having me. Uh, Petros Papadakis, Petros and Money's the afternoon show in L.A. It's a really, really good one. And uh, he's a tremendous analyst. And then his uh, co-host is Matt Smith, who is the voice of the charge. You can also hear him call NFL games uh, for other other teams. Uh, I think Compass Media is, is uh, who, he's, who he's worked for in the past. There's a, a difference between being consistently good for a long time and being a Hall of Famer. I'll explain how that relates to some news yesterday, and somebody's going to join us later on today in a moment. But I don't do this often, but I'm going to do this right now because this guy's an idiot. His name's Jim Elliott. <laughs> Uh, I have a, a Facebook, a show Facebook page, and he says, um, heard you blasted Tom Brady. You were annoying when you were in Oklahoma. You interrupted a sports show to have people look for your dog. Uh, then you were even more annoying when you went to ESPN, and now you're intolerable at Fox Sports. Stick to basketball, Dougie. It's the only thing you know anything, you know something about. Uh, Jim lives in Lawton, Oklahoma. Uh, just, you know, the story is, I used to have a basset hound, and uh, – one time I was hosting a midday radio show, my one year hosting local radio in Oklahoma City, and my we, we lived in an apartment, and the apartment had like a, we had to do like a makeshift kind of fence so that we could, when we, were, when we were gone, like we could let the dog be in the doghouse, in the shade, outside, so it wouldn't mess in the house. Anyway, so the dog got out, and we lived really close to a mall, Quail Springs Mall, and we put out an APB for my basset hound, which... 
uh, looked just like the dog in Smokey and the Bandit, right? Fred, but I didn't name him Fred. I should have named him Fred. Instead, I named him Bandit. Uh, anyway, so Bandit was out, and he literally went dock to dock to dock, getting, like, treats from people's lunches. I mean, totally delightful dog. The dog was actually inside the mall. It's like one of my best bits I've ever done in local radio. It's actually probably the most interesting two hours of radio was that there was a mall security guard who escorted my dog out of the mall. My dog was like, and this is like the friendliest Bass Town, like any Bass Town, like super friendly, just wagging his tail. Guys who were unloading and unloading stuff were like giving them leftover parts of their lunch, right? And then eventually it's hot outside. He walks into the mall. He's like, chilling, walking around in the mall, and a small security guard comes and gets my dog, and, and then they actually call the radio shows, like, sir, yes, my name's, it was like Paul Blart Mall Cop. He's like, yes, I escorted your dog out of the mall. And you didn't think it was a good idea to, I don't know, call animal uh, services or whatever? It's, like, call the dog catcher. Like, who takes a dog out of a mall and then just opens the door and goes, bye-bye? Like, who does that? <laughs> That's like if a baby was left behind. You'd be like, well, baby was left behind, so we took it and put it outside the mall so it wasn't on our jurisdiction. Like, that's not the way it works. Anyway, uh, there was, like, a furniture, outdoor furniture place at the other end of the mall. They got my dog, tied it up. I got my dog after the show. It was hilarious. Apparently, Jim Elliott didn't think so. And by the way, I didn't blast Tom Brady. I just said Tom Brady's 40 years old, and had, and I said this Friday on the on the herd. And it's it's interesting to me that people are operating that under the assumption that Paul that Tom Brady is the exact same quarterback he was five years ago, and that time has no effect on his skill set. It is not a, not going to erode at all. Where, hey, he looked very average two of the three playoff games. You know, he didn't look good against the Texans. Didn't play well. They had no offense. They had no chance. And the first three quarters, really, except for the last drive. Of the, of the third quarter, he he was bad against the Falcons. Now, that doesn't mean he's terrible, but the assessment that, well, you got to trade Garoppolo, there's a reason they're not trading Garoppolo because you're not going to fool Bill Belichick with this miraculous comeback against the tired Falcons defense. Whereas, had the I just look at it this way, had the Falcons simply kneeled on the ball, ate the football, kicked a field goal, and gone up 31-3, to three, there would be no comeback, and we'd be talking about, wait a second, when does Jimmy Garoppolo maybe get, get a play this year? Now, we're looking at it completely differently. And that's what happens when you win championships. And I pointed out that Joe Madden was terrible last year in the World Series. Ask anybody in baseball. He was awful. Right? Look at Araldis Chapman. He lost his job over the weekend. He actually lost his job before he, uh, before he went for some rest. But he ruined Araldis Chapman, and he had a great bullpen, only he only used three guys. And his moves were bad. And the only reason it didn't backfire was the Cubs were that much better than the Indians. But historically, we're going to look at it and say, Joe Madden, championship manager. So, Jim, if, if you want to look at it rudimentary that I blasted Tom Brady, that's fine. You're an idiot. You're the same idiot who didn't think it was great radio 16 years ago, which, by the way, it was such bad radio that 16 years you still remember it. That's great radio, you idiot. If you can remember a bit I did 16 years ago, I won. That's like the guy who listens to the third hour of the show and says, hey, man, you said the same thing in the first hour of the show. Wait, you listened all three hours? Who's winning here, me or you? Dummy. And I say dummy in the most loving term. <laughs> it is a loving term. Um, 
damn it, I want to get to this other thing with uh, with Anquan Bolden. We'll probably should do it after we have Anquan Bolden on. That's that's exactly what we do. Anquan Bolden is he still joining us in fifty minutes? I like Anquan Bolden. He's one of those guys that was never fast. So when he lost a step, he really didn't lose a step. <laughs> Right? Yeah, he's so slow. And then he was like, damn, he's still in the league? But then you're like, all right, he's still like, he was basically like a tight end, but if he threw it to him, he was going to catch it. He would always catch it. Anquan Bolden had some incredible seasons. He was a fly in the wall for some interesting teams, too. I can't wait to catch up with him. Called it quits over the weekend. I want to know why. Like, why now? Did his body can't do it, or he just couldn't do it with the Bills? He's just like, I can't do that thing. Because the only thing lower than the Bills is the Browns, right? Yeah. All right. I'm kidding about the Bills. A little bit. A little bit. The Denver Broncos found their starting quarterback. Big deal, little deal, deal. Find out next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. You hear him on weekends. Sometimes you hear him fill in for me. You hear him all over Fox Sports Radio, especially with our updates during the week. He's Dan Beyer. We'll let him dig into the sack and find a game. Let's reach into Gottlieb's sack. <laughs> Hey. All right, Daniel, what do you got? Uh, let's see. Today we have got... Big deal, little deal, no deal. Oh, okay. It was All a big right. deal, but then it went in the water. And then it was... Did... <laughs> little deal. Hey, hey! <laughs> Cold! Shrinkage! Anyway, go ahead. All right. Uh, is this a big deal, little deal, or no deal, Doug? After a long, uh, long battle, about a four- or five-month battle, actually... We've decided on uh, making Trevor Simeon our quarterback. That's Broncos head coach Vance Joseph with the announcement today. Simeon is their guy in Denver. Uh, I'm going to say it's a uh, it's a big deal because it's a big deal because uh, it's admitting that Paxton Lynch isn't ready, and if Paxton Lynch isn't ready in year two, he may not ever be ready. I think that the Broncos' usage of him as a late-round, first-round pick, 26th overall is where he was, allows them a little leeway as somebody who would take him maybe in the top five or top ten if you were to take a quarterback to move on from Paxton Lynch if you wanted to. So Trevor Simeon, yes, getting the job in Denver. A big deal, little deal, or no deal, Doug. That attendance for yesterday's Saints-Chargers game at StubHub Center in Los Angeles was 21,197. Is that a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Uh, Boy, kind of feels like a big deal, doesn't it? Like, uh, you know, look, I'm a Charger fan, and I know Phillip Rivers and uh, Drew Brees, neither of them played yesterday. Matter of fact, uh, and, and look, we can sell it as it doesn't matter, but the Chargers did not play well. First play from scrimmage, Saints handed the ball off. And ran it for a touchdown with uh, it was Kamara, the kid from uh, Tennessee, who I think yeah, a tremendous draft pick. Um, but, I mean, there is no buzz to the Chargers, and they have not played well in their first two preseason games. And if there's a battle for L.A., uh, right now they are um, – it's feeling like Custer. It really is it's feeling like Custer's last stand a little bit. The, the fight for L.A. is a find for L.A., finding football for people. By the <laughs> way, the spin on this – 
John Ramos was very interested in this, Doug. He wanted to know if attendance went down. It actually went up because the Seahawks game in week one had 21,054 fans. So they were up 143 from just a week ago. So now they're they're doing the actual attendance, right? They're, yes. They're, okay, and but they've sold all the tickets. It's my understanding, yes. Okay. 143. Hey, that's trending up. A big deal, little deal, or no deal, Doug, that Alabama sits atop the Associated Press preseason top 25 college football poll. Uh, no deal, really, right? I mean, I think Alabama's going to be good. I mean, I think they're going to be really, really good. But I, I just think that's a good default, right? It's like, you can't really go wrong writing <laughs> yeah, in Alabama in your back. You're like, are they bad? Yeah. Like, I don't really know. That's that's fair enough. I will say this, Doug, and I don't think you and I have ever had this conversation, but I am a big advocate of preseason rankings because I do believe it makes the first week watchable. You wouldn't know if if when totally. you put that number in front Everybody, of the they, yes. Thank you, Dan. I mean, it's just the dumbest thing ever where we go like, why why do you do preseason rankings? Like, because it gets you excited and makes it gives you a reason to watch. And oh yeah, by the way. It allow you. Here's the problem with it: is guys in in our business don't like to be wrong. That's it. And you know what? You're gonna be wrong sometimes. Now, sometimes you can say why you're wrong. Like, hey, they were actually really good, and they lost their quarterback, or they lost Tennessee, for example, last year. Had hopes on winning the SEC East. They didn't. Be like, oh, everybody's wrong about Tennessee. Like, no, they endured like seven lost starters for the year. Notre Dame the year before, same thing. So, um, I just I. I think people don't like to be wrong, and I think that's more really more what it's about. I also think that when you see a one versus three, like you're going to get with Florida State and Alabama to Roll start time. the season, makes it a huge, huge game instead of it just being Alabama, Florida State. I mean, sure, those programs love playing each other, but when you're saying, "Wow, two of the top three are playing," or if a number thirteen ranked team, thirteenth ranked team gets upset, that's a big deal. And just instead of being just the regular school, agreed. Um, how about this one? Big deal, little deal, or no deal? Justin Bieber is apparently no longer friends with Floyd Mayweather. Bieber, trying to turn his life around, apparently decided to unfollow Mayweather on Instagram, also has kind of stepped away from the money team. TMZ is reporting that Floyd was actually incensed at Bieber's decision to unfollow him on social media. If you're mad about somebody unfollowing you on social media, that does not speak for... Floyd Mayweather, as many hundreds of millions of dollars he has, how he likes to portray himself as super happy and king of the world. If that really bothers you, then you got some bigger issues than just tax evasion and uh, and other things that you've been accused of. The fact that uh, Justin Bieber apparently made the decision, the report says his pastor told him to step away from maybe some of the negative stuff or some of the dangerous stuff in his life, and he felt that maybe Floyd Mayweather was a, was a part of that. So Bieber stepped away. I don't know what's creepier, the fact that uh, a grown man is mad that another grown man doesn't follow him on social media or the fact that two grown men are discussing a grown man being upset that another grown man doesn't follow him on uh, social media. I'm going to say C, all of the above. That's that's um, C, all of the above. If you think Roger Goodell deserves to be fired and you don't understand why he's getting a contract extension, I'll explain it to you next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Boom, what up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, live from the City of Angels. Welcome in. You know, when I, um, when I hang out with people, I think 
I, I'm, I try and be engaging. I don't try and be annoying. But the two things that I, I find out about people is I want to know their story. And then I want to kind of get a little bit of a sense of whatever they do, how do they actually do it? Right? Whatever they do, how do they actually do it? So the first thing is, like, everyone has a story. At some point, we'll get Ramos' story. Music story was he was born, he went to high school, he went to college, and then somehow he lucked into this job. And now all of a sudden, he's bringing this show down. Cindy Katz <laughs> books the show. She's been doing it for years. I want her hear her story on air. It's, I mean, she's booked for some incredible shows. I don't know why she's slumming it and booking for our show, but she does. And that's how she's getting us Anquan Bolden upcoming half past the hour. But seriously, everybody like everybody kind of has a story, right? And the stories, if told properly, even if they're told improperly, pretty interesting. And don't give me this like, well, went to college, got a job, here I am, right? Like, eh, okay. <laughs> Everybody's got a story. And then you're like, well, what do you do? Well, I'm in pharmaceutical sales. Okay, but what do you, like, how does it work? What's your drug? How'd you come upon this drug? Who do you meet with? Who do you sell? Like, how do you, do you have to sell like a certain number? Is there like, like where's your region? How does it, how does it work? How do you get bonuses? I don't need to know numbers and how much you make. Just how's it work? Because the truth is that I don't know anything about anybody else's business, right? Like I can tell you about uh, playing professional basketball. I can tell you a little bit about coaching uh, college basketball, a little bit about coaching professional basketball in terms of salaries and salary structures and how you make more money and how you negotiate and what, what, what little clauses should be in contracts and that sort of stuff. But like, I, I've been doing this now for, uh, what we just, what we decide 15 years. So I can tell you everything about this business. I can't necessarily tell you what somebody in, individual fields makes or uh, or how that salary scale has changed over the years. But I can generally tell you how this business works, what the next step is, what, you know, how your career can progress. Like, I'm kind of an expert in this thing because I've been in it long enough. Oftentimes, we make the mistake as media people of thinking we understand Roger Goodell's job. And fans make this mistake all the time. They let their emotions and how they feel about something Roger Goodell said or did affect his, your thoughts on his level of competency. Roger Goodell is close to signing an extension, which is going to take him through 2024. In other words, he ain't going anywhere. Now, the timing of such an announcement probably has to do with two things. One, his contracts, um, uh, He's gotten new deals done, created new revenue, and they want to reward that. But two, maybe most importantly, did you notice that last week the head of the NBA, excuse me, NFL Players Association said, hey, there's going to be some sort of work stoppage in 2021. Nana, nana, boo, boo. It's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, Raj is getting a contract extension through 2024. That's the NFL owners saying, really? We, we're okay with what's going on there. You might have a problem with it. We're okay with it. Now, to anyone who says, well, Roger Goodell has to give up the power 
of being judge, jury, executioner of the NFL's um, personal conduct policy. One, every commissioner has had that power since 1968, so it won't be given up that easily. And two, I'm sure the NFL Players Association can have it. You can have it. We can do a committee. We can do whatever you want. But guess what? It's called a negotiation. You understand what I'm saying? Let me spell it out for you. Roger Goodell right now has the power to enforce rules because he said so. And when you when you file an appeal, he ultimately rules on the appeal. Well, that kind of sounds like a rigged system. Yes, it is. And you want to change it? You can. I will change it during our next collective bargaining agreement. Negotiations. But I don't just give up something that I already have without some some form of negotiation. And the reason that the NFL players aren't going to hold out or lock out, or even if they do, they won't win, is because they need the money. And the guys that are in the league now, with the exception of the quarterbacks and a couple of wide receivers or skill position players, there'll be a whole new list of ones. A pro career is too short to hold out for six months for benefits that benefit people who are going to play in the next 10 years, not you. So I look at it, and I'm like, this is the NFL owners going, oh, yeah, DeMora Smith, you think that you have one up on negotiation? You think people are going to run Roger Goodell? We're just fine with Roger Goodell. And if he wants to negotiate, if we want to, we want to negotiate his power and change that, that's fine. But you're going to give us back some benefit that we're giving the players. Which only tells me Roger Goodell is not giving up any of this power anytime soon. Not because the players don't want him to change, but because in their list of priorities, that's not priority one, two, three, four, five. And the reason that you don't understand that you being Joe Public is because it's not your business, it's not your field. You don't, you know, like players want more guaranteed money, more during career, post career benefits. That's their focus. They want more roster spots for more jobs. Right? Like every election is only about one thing. Jobs, 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 job security. And what happened is no different than our election. Right. Can you create the type of perception that what you do is good for creating jobs? And when you lose your job or you retire from your job, you're going to have some post-career benefits. That's no different than the NFL. That's what players are concerned about. Nothing else. What they will get, I can tell you right now. Okay, you can clip this, and hopefully I'm still working for Fox Sports Radio in four years. The NFL Players Association is going to want more roster spots. The NFL will want more games. The NFL Players Association will want more roster spots and more guaranteed years on contracts, a higher percentage of guaranteed money. That's what the fight will be over, not Roger Goodell. And the reason that people don't understand that is because they get caught up in the noise and the nonsense of people who don't understand how good Goodell has been. Like, oh, he settled this concu- this player concussion lawsuit. He did. That was from a previous regime. And he couldn't admit that what they did was wrong. He can't throw all he can't throw Paul Tagliabue and previous guys under the bus. That's no different than Roy Williams at North Carolina. Right? Roy Williams, North Carolina didn't institute any policy of having guys taking sham classes. None of it. But he inherited it. And so he had to slowly dial it back. And when he was like, this is bad, we got guys getting straight A's in African-American studies. I got like nine players in African-American studies. That just that didn't look right to the outside. Doesn't pass the smell test. He'd, let's just get him out of that thing. Let's get him. Let's, we got to get him in different majors. We got to figure that thing out. 
And when asked about it now, he 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 sidesteps it. Why? Because he's not going to throw Dean Smith under the bus. Right? He's a mentor. He's a legend. And, uh, he, and he probably guesses or maybe even knows that when Dean Smith first allowed players to get into the African-American studies major, he didn't know they were sham classes. It's the same thing with Roger Goodell. When Goodell takes over for Tagliabue, I'm sure when Tagliabue was first in denial of CTE or brain damage from football, at, at the first part of denying it was like there wasn't the scientific data to point out that it did exist. But you can't say we were wrong. Football causes brain damage because nobody would play. Secondly, you'd open yourself up to litigation far worse than you already have. And third, you're throwing your predecessor and your mentors under the bus. That ain't happening. And yeah, he looks bad with the Ray Rice thing. But again, the context of it was no one had ever taken the Ray Rice thing or the domestic violence seriously. That was the the two-game suspension was the longest suspension at the in the history of the NFL. It wasn't long enough, but that's because video had never come out previously, and that's because we as a country hadn't had morals about our our pro athletes laying hands on women. That's more of an us problem. Let, let me go through. Roger Goodell has not only dealt with a bad hand, right? That's the concussion lawsuit. But he's also expanded to Los Angeles with not one but two teams. And the reason that's important is not just for league revenues, and they're going to get a new stadium, which is going to help their league revenues, and it's going to be the site for they're having somebody else, they're having the Rams build them new studios for the NFL Network. I guess genius. All right, you're going to move, you're going to pay us $600, $700 million a piece, and you're going to build us new headquarters for our own network. Like, what a great deal. And the owners all get that money. And then the Raiders want to move? Cool. Guess what's going to cost you? $750 million. I don't care how you come up with it. All that money, that's over $2 billion of revenue without adding a team to the league. Move, move them from bad markets. markets. Okay, San Diego is a great place to live. They had a great fan base. But it's minuscule in comparison to the upside potential of Los Angeles. Same thing with St. Louis. Same thing with Oakland as opposed to an untapped gem, which is uh, Las Vegas. It's $2 billion. And then he creates revenue with the Thursday night deal. And he not only keeps the NFL network afloat, the NFL network's reason for existence is the Thursday night package. Not only does he get them NF, not does he get them Thursday night package for his first it was CBS. Remember, CBS and the NFL Network both broadcast it. That's the whole reason that network exists, which is owned by the league, which means it's owned by the owners. So all that revenue is all split up. Then they then they like, all right, new Thursday night package, CBS and NBC, you guys have to split it. Didn't add a game to the schedule. Added additional revenue. Like, dude, business is really, really, really good. And they've done so while expanding overseas. They've done so while finding new ways to create new revenue. When everybody else is topped out, hey, man, you can't get any more blood out of that. You can't get any more blood out of that rock. He's found a way. And the only reason that you don't believe this or you don't know this is because 
You simply don't know their business. I don't understand how they make any money. I don't understand how they, how they, you sit down and you start to think about each individual deal that has been done in the past five years alone. You understand he's not doing a decent job. He's not doing a good job. He's doing a phenomenal job. And if along the way he has to take the bullet for suspending Ezekiel Elliott too long or suspending Tom Brady too long, fine. But anybody who thought that would cause the owners to run him out, I give you a contract extension sitting on his desk. Uh, the protests are taking on a, uh, a new look in NFL stadiums. And I actually saw the counter-protest and the protest in Boston, which maybe further clarified exactly what those of us who are reasonable people see as going on. We'll talk about some of these NFL protests and what's happened and how it's evolving and what's missing from it upcoming next. But first, I have joined the club, and you should too, Dollar Shave Club. It's the smarter choice. You get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. It's an awesome life hack. It's a no-brainer choice. You, you no longer have to schlep to the store, right? Oh, God, I got to get another razor. You already have one. And when I use my Dollar Shave Club executive razor with Dr. Carver's shave butter, oh, the blade just gently glides, giving me such a smooth shave. I, I don't know if you're like this. I despise shaving. I just don't like it. Okay? I, plus, I kind of look sexy with a little bit of a scruff. But I also look sexy, and my kids enjoy snuggling with me better, so does my wife, when I have smooth, smooth, and this shave butter stuff is awesome. You, too, can make the smarter choice by joining the Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of Dr. Carver's shave butter, only $5 with free shipping. After that, Razor, just a few bucks a month. That's $15 value for just 5 bucks. In your first month box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette and of uh, four cartridges plus a tube of this stuff called shave butter, which is awesome. Uh, after your first month, replacement cartridges ship to you automatically at a regular price, so you never have to go to the store looking for razors or, honey, pick up razors for me. Never again. There are no hidden fees, no commitments. Cancel at any time as you like, but you can get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash Gottlieb. My last name, by the way, is spelled G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B. That's Dollar Shave Club slash Gottlieb right now. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. So last week, Michael Bennett said, hey, you know, the, the protests will change and get more relevant in the NFL when a white player joins them. And, of course, uh, end of last week, Chris Long put his arm around shoulder of Malcolm Jenkins while Jenkins held a fist in the air. Then Seahawks center Justin Britt put a hand on Michael Bennett's shoulder as he sat for the national anthem. Raiders quarterback Derek Carr and Khalil Mack stood with arms around each other in display of unity. Carr, by the way, said that he was not protesting anything with that action. We wanted to show all kids that look up to me, look up to him, white kids, blue kids, brown kids. Blue kids out there? Uh, blue, green, doesn't matter. We can all be living 
loving to each other, and that's what me and Khalil are. We're, we're best friends, and we love one another. The only reason we did so is to unify people. Unify people look up because, obviously, we see what's going on in the world, and obviously everyone pays attention to the national anthem nowadays. So we thought the best way to do it while still honoring our country, because I love this country more than anything, we're free to live here and play this game. We're also free to show each other we love one another, and I think that's the message. Max said he wanted to use the platform to get out his, out his message. His message is essentially the same. Uh, Britt, that's Justin Britt, put his arm on Michael Bennett's shoulder. I want to support him. I want to support what he stands for and his beliefs. I'm not foolish. I'm from Missouri. I get that there are things in that area, in some areas. I'm I'm not against what the flag means in veterans. My dad is in the Army, so I'm putting I'm, I'm not putting any disrespect to them. I'm just trying to understand issues, trying to educate myself more in regard to showing support. Um, I saw a different protest, and I thought it was actually perfect. I thought it was perfect. Here, here's what happened. There was like, was there even a hundred Nazi white supremacist protesters in Boston? Did you guys see that? They were like gathered around a gazebo. Now, again, for for full disclosure, okay. Do, do I have to say that I'm anti-Nazi, anti-white supremacist? Or is like like that, if I don't say it, does that like, oh, somehow you're like, uh, trust me, um, I'm Jewish. I, I don't think I would ever consider myself a Nazi sympathizer or a white, you know, like, it's gross. But also, full disclosure, like, look, I, they, these protests have been going on before. Right? It was the clash and the statues and the violence and the car killing a lady and two other cops, that's what obviously made, and and the reaction to it from the president, that's what made this story just terrible, but one to which instead of just being some, you know, white supremacist, like, if we don't show up with cameras and we don't broadcast, does it it matter? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But here's why the Boston thing this weekend was perfect. Apparently there were 40,000 anti-protesters, right? So, What's the ratio of 40,000 to 100? Is that 400 to 1? Is that about right? I think that's what it is. Right, Dizzy? Right? 400 to 1. I kind of think that's where we are with, like, racists. I, I just I just do. Like, I know that it's really easy to say anybody who voted for Donald Trump is a racist. I... I I, I don't think that ever. I don't. I honestly don't think that's fair. I don't think that's even close to being fair. Everyone who voted for Donald Trump is not a sexist either. Okay, just because of the video, um, the video which was which was disgraceful. People have their reasons why they choose to vote, and they're allowed. I mean, part of the, our country, you're allowed to vote whoever you want to vote for, and a lot of it was about not trusting Hillary Clinton. Let's just be honest. It, it was. Not a ton of trust built up, uh, even in her own constituency. If the same people that showed up and voted for Barack Obama voted for her, she won, won and this wouldn't have happened. But, like, complete and total racists are pretty much outnumbered 400 to 1 in Boston over the weekend, and that's kind of the reality of it. So I'm not saying that the protest, I'm anti-police brutality, but did I have to say that? I'm also anti-people who shoot police 
because they don't trust police. They just, you know, there's people who, one of the things that happens is Capo walks up in a car. He's scared because he doesn't know what that guy has in his car. And I also think that the ratio of cops that do unreasonable things to human beings, I don't think they're on number 401, but I actually think there's way more good cops than there are bad cops. We saw that Colin Kaepernick was joined by police officers that, that joined him, supported him in, in protest. So I don't know. There just doesn't seem to, like, what is the measurement for change happening in our country? We're all aware that racism still exists, probably to a higher level than I thought possible. Right? I thought racism was dying off like people who say Washington. You know anybody says Washington anymore? Remember when we were kids, people were like, wash your clothes. I'm going up to Washington. You're like, who says that? People don't say it anymore. Right? I kind of thought that's like racist. Like there used to be a lot of racist and slowly generationally people were like, well, that sucks because I actually have lots of friends that have different skin colors than me. Right. Like even the idea, like remember the dumb things you learn when you're a kid about stereotypes people. Oh, just, I don't know. I maybe maybe it's growing up in Southern California, which is a multinational kind of, community right, where I you see people and honestly some of the best looking people you see are people of mixed race like man skin color is awesome right they have all the, like the best features of both races You're like ah, that's kind of not like right like so you see like the blending of I actually see that as a awesome thing but I think it exists to a higher level than I thought but I think it's at a it's still a much smaller percentage than we're made to believe because of social media, because we're giving a voice to people like Nazis, white supremacists who don't deserve a voice because that's what we do now. Everybody can become famous in their own kind of like David Duke's been around for like 30 years. Like I'm old enough now. I'm like, wait, David Duke's still alive. He's still around. Like, why do we care? He's he's been around doing his stuff for like 20, 25 years. Why are we getting, I, I don't know why we're getting so worked up over a dying breed of people. And by breed, I mean racist, like blatant outward race. Like I, so I like that. I like that Brit smartly was like, hey, I'm just, isn't my brother, I'm, if Michael Bennett wants to protest, the same thing with Derek Carr. Like that's showing support for one's teammate. And I, I think that's a more re- realistic show of what happens in an NFL, a basket, every basketball locker room I've ever been into. Like we'll talk about racial stuff, but I never, very maybe once or twice I feel like people were anti-white. I've never been in a locker room where people were anti-black. I just I don't. It's a hard thing for me to wrap my head around. But I also think that if Michael Bennett, like if his thing is okay, well this will change when white people join white co- players join us in protest. And in in all honesty, Chris Long did not join them in protest. Britt did not join in protest. Derek Carr did not join in protest. Maybe somebody eventually does. But like, what is the all right, now we're getting to the point where, all right, tell me, like, Marshawn Lynch doesn't want to talk about the what, what he's protesting. So, like, what is the point? Like, how can we fix what you don't like? Well, I want no police brutality. It's really hard to eliminate. Anquan Bolden joins the show upcoming next. I'll ask him if he retired because he was a bill. I just can't do it. Can't do it. The Quan, after we find out what's trending. 
Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I don't know what what your goals are when you set out. Like when I set out to be a basketball player, like I wanted to play. One, you know, like you want to win a championship in high school and be recruited and sign a Division One scholarship and then play professionally. Like I wanted to play one day in the NBA. I didn't, but I got to collect a check playing basketball, and so I accomplished most of my goals. Like I kind of feel like Anquan Bolden as he you know calls it a career at 36 years old. Boy, he accomplished a lot of his goals. He won a Super Bowl. Uh, he won a national championship in college. He was part of Pro Bowls. Um, he was a rookie of the year. Like, he accomplished a lot. But let's uh, let's welcome in Anquan Bolden. Now, retired, I guess, member of the Buffalo Bills. 13 days in Buffalo. Uh, Anquan, is, was there anything you didn't accomplish that you wanted to accomplish? Uh, there, well, one and more Super Bowls. Um, for me, that was the ultimate goal. Um, I played in two and was fortunate enough to win one, but if I would have had it my way, I would have won a lot more. Oh, I know that, but I mean, you did, you won a national championship in college and you won a Super Bowl. Like if, if those, if anybody has goals starting off to be a, to be a pro respected one, to be a draft pick respected one, to win Nash, to win at, at the highest levels you did like, dude, you checked almost. I can't think of any boxes that you didn't check at least once during your career. Uh, I didn't win a high school championship. Um, played in the state championship game, but ended up losing that. One, so, all right, sorry to bring that up at this at this point. Anquan Bolton joining us <laughs> on on the Doug Gottlieb show. All right, so people want to know, like, thirteen days in Buffalo, you showed up. He's like, I love the culture here. I want to be a part of the change. Everybody respects you as a veteran. You're like the EF Hutton. When you talk, everybody's listening. And then yesterday it's announced you, you called it a, a career. Why? I um, just, felt, uh, just felt led to do something else. Um, and I felt like now was the time. I felt like I couldn't put it off any longer. Um, so, uh, you know, that was my decision to walk away. Um, was it an easy decision? No. Um, do I still love the game of football? Of course. Do I still have a passion to play? Yes, but I feel like um, there's another passion that burns inside of me that that's a little a little larger than football at this point. Well, remember, and and for people who don't know, uh, Anquan was the Walter Payton Man of the Year going back to 2015. That's for all the community service, and you have your own uh, foundation as well. You're trying to expand opportunities for for youngsters. Is that is that the focus of what you want to do post career? Is through your foundation, those good works continue those. Yeah, continue the work uh, that I've been doing with my foundation as well as um, the advocacy work that I've been doing um, over the past two or three years. So like what? Like being an advocate for who in in terms of what? Well, um, as of the last uh, about two or three years, um, it's it's been advocating for those that don't have a voice, um, advocating for those who feel like justice isn't served um, for them, um, a voice for those who feel um, the inequalities in our society, um, and also advocating for better police and community relations, um, criminal justice reform. Um, there's a number of things that I've been advocating for uh, over the last two or three years. Okay, so th- I, that's we were just kind of talking about the protests, which continue to evolve 
as some white players, if they haven't joined in protest, but they put their arms, started with Chris Long. It went to uh, to Britt in Seattle, Justin Britt, their center, and then Derek Carr and Khalil Mack stood kind of arm in arm. But I think there there has to be like a next step in terms of the evolution of it. What's what's the next step in kind of trying to improve some of the the police and community relations and, and how it how it can be voiced by the players and how you can be kind of an advocate for some of that change? I, I think um, the part that's missing, um, especially, I think there's a lot more that could be done. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of change that could happen. Um, but I honestly don't believe it's just going to come from just the players. Um, players taking up stances against injustices is, is nothing that's new. Um, that's been going on way before my time. Um, as far back as I can remember, you've had guys um, champion different causes. Um, I mean, you go back to um, Jim Brown and uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, those guys were advocating for some of the same things that we're advocating for right now. So I don't believe um, that it's squarely on the shoulders of the players. I think in sports in general, um, you're given a platform. And in the NFL, I think it's one of the biggest platforms that you can have in this country. But with that being said, I think in order for us to move the needle further, we're going to have to be joined by coaches. We're going to have to be joined by GMs. And we're going to have to be joined by owners. There's one thing for me as an athlete to get a meeting with a congressman or a senator. Um, I'm afforded that opportunity um, because of the platform that the NFL provides. But when I go in those meetings, I'm going to be told, um, you know, thanks for coming. Um, Continue to do the work that you're doing. Continue to keep this issue um, front and center. But I guarantee you, if I take owners in there with me, there will be a different conversation. Bills that I would be trying to help get passed would get passed if I had owners in there. Um, So I I think it has to be bigger than just NFL players advocating um, for justice, but we have to be joined by the higher powers in the NFL. Is there there a way, I mean, like, look, um, the same way in which NFL players or other athletes have gotten their uh, their message across has been withholding services, right? Like, if you want to get a new contract in the NFL, don't show up at work and hold out. And it, it may hurt you in the short term, but in the long term, if you're good enough eventually to work, is is that a is that a path? Like, if, if you can't get owners to engage in any of this, is that a possibility for players more than just pro? Like, if Michael Bennett's like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to play in our, you know, against the Arizona Cardinals because no one's listening to this conversation we're trying to have. Is that a, a possible step? I think the only way that step is possible is if you have everybody on the same page. I think if you have one guy um, that does it, I mean, the NFL is a, a lot greater than one, just one guy taking a stand. Um, they will just replace you with the next guy. But I think if everybody was on the same page and everybody had the same mindset, um, that could be effective. Anquan Bolton joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, how do you navigate? Uh, how do you navigate? Um, look, there, there's plenty of really good police officers, right? 
and it's it's the it's the it's the bad one. There's plenty of people, plenty of officers who have tried to bridge the gap between police and community, uh, but some have not. How do you navigate? And look, we're not trying to call out all cops. We're just trying to rid ourselves of some of them. We're not trying to call out all white people. We're just trying to get rid of the racist, right? Like, how do you how do you how do you? There's a it's like a jujitsu, right? You gotta you gotta be nimble about it. You can't simply kind of brunt force it. How do you do that, Anquan? I definitely think you you have to tread um, lightly when you do that. I mean, I have family members that are police police officers. So do I believe that all police officers are bad? Of course not. That means I will be going against um, some of my family members who I know go out and put their lives on the line every day. Um, so that's not what we're about. Um, that's not what I'm about. I'm about honoring those who do the right thing as far as being police officers. I'm about accountability. Um, when things do go wrong, I think those that have done wrong should be held accountable. And I think that's one of the things that we're not seeing um, in this country. I think too often when you have incidents happen, you can pretty much tell the story before it's completed. And by that, I mean the officer not being charged, um, the officer not um, losing his job, the officer going on paid leave while under investigation. Um, I think far too often um, accountability is not held um, in those in those regards. Yeah, but but some of that also, though, is their negotiations with their union, right? And as a, as a member of the NFL Players Association, like, look, I, I'm just as disgusted – when it, when an officer shoots an unarmed unarmed man as as anybody is, but I also understand that uh, that that having a guy on paid leave is no different than NFL players who are put on like the commissioner ex- ex- exemption list uh, when you're you're on paid leave. Isn't there a kind of certain parallel in hey this was pre negotiated union and and uh, uh, and and it's it there's there's that similarity between that and your choice of work in football. There is that similarity. But I think when there is clear evidence in different cases um, and guys are not held accountable, I don't think that part is right. I think falsifying police reports isn't right. No question. Evidence isn't right. Um, So when these things are happening, you have to deal with them the right way. Or if you don't, then the trust between the community and and the police will be shattered. I mean, it's already um, at that point, but we continue to see um, guys being shot uh, without any weapon, guys being shot as they're walking away from policemen. Um, My cousin was shot while on the phone with roadside assistance. Only thing he did was break down on the side of the road, and it it cost him his life. So I think when things like this happen, there has to be accountability. Wow! But more than football for Anquan Bolden, the Anquan Bolden Foundation, known as Q eighty one, he's one of the the most respected players in the NFL. Announced his retirement yesterday. uh, Won a Super Bowl, won a national championship, won the Walter Payton Man of the Year award in two thousand fifteen, and has called it a career. And also has his Q eighty one summer enrichment program. Hey, listen, man. the The big thing is 
you can't just go and, and be an advocate and not keep us updated on what progress or lack thereof progress is being made. So don't be a stranger, and you're welcome here anytime to talk football and to talk life as well. Is that cool? Cool. I'll take you up on that offer. All right. Anquan Bold. Quan, thanks for so much for joining us. Anquan Bolden joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Is tampering the same thing as cheating? Colin Cowherd gave his thoughts. I'll share mine on Colin's thoughts next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Every day at this time, we try and bring back a portion of one of the award-winning shows which precedes ours. We call it... The whole world's reacting to the charges of tampering that apparently have been filed by the Pacers against the Lakers for Magic Johnson saying this on Jimmy Kimmel. What constitutes tampering? Like, if you're on vacation and you run into Paul George, are you not allowed to speak to him? No, we're going to say hi because we know each other. I you see. just can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be wink, winking like... You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that means, right? <laughs> Here's Colin Cowherd on the difference in cheating and uh, tampering. When Magic goes on Jimmy Kimmel... Is that tampering or is that simply Magic Johnson? That's a real question, and I think the NBA is trapped because they already butchered that Chris Paul situation. Now they're not going to let Paul George be a Laker? That is a bad look, bad optics, bad spot for the NBA. Well, there's a look, there's a different um, a different commissioner. Uh, David Stern is not the commissioner. Remember, back when the the Chris Paul trade was disallowed, the NBA was actually running the New Orleans Hornets at the time. People forget that that uh, that the NBA took the team from the owner, and they the, they ran it for a short period of time. And David Stern nixed that trade, which of course forever changed everything in Los Angeles. Maybe the the, the history of basketball was was changed with that trade being disallowed. But I just I think there's a difference between breaking rules and cheating. You can't be brazen about it. And I thought that Magic Johnson was a little bit brazen about it. And I also think that this is a lot like in college basketball when a school loses a player and they claim it's tampering. Nothing much actually comes of it. But they want you to know that they're pissed. And this is the Pacers saying, hey, you know what? We're pissed. That's messed up. The rest of the league should be really mad about this because if it wasn't our player, they're going to steal your player and say, hey, we're big market. We're the Lakers. We got magic. We got 17 banners. And this is not the way business is supposed to be done, especially when we're all in this together. We're doing it again. We're doing it again. We, We do. History has a tendency to repeat itself. The only thing I, I don't know, like uh, jeans with, Holes in them, rips in them you can buy. Those are back in. Um, but we're rolling our jeans again. They're not pegging them like we were kids. I don't know if acid wash jeans are coming back in, Ramos. Uh, if they are, then you're in luck because you've never <laughs> changed style. 
I don't think the dad jean carpenter jean from the 90s or the baggy ones are going to come back, but jean jackets are back in. History repeats itself. And you know where else it repeats itself? It repeats itself in sports. We go through these cycles in sports. But th- there's one thing that it's not really a cycle. It's a yearly thing where we see a kid play. We know a kid's story. And we so badly want that story to end in storybook fashion in the NFL that we will do whatever it takes for it to happen. I'll tell you where it's happening and why it's wrong to rush the process. Upcoming next in the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. What up? It's the Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. We just had Anquan Bolden on last hour. He was phenomenal. And I do uh, I do believe that the Times and uh, his passion off the football field has taken him off the, taken him off the football field. And Anquan Bolden retires as uh, all-time tied for 10th in receptions. But we, we make this mistake all the time, right? Where we say, oh, he's a Hall of Famer, right? Hey, what a Super Bowl. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he, he's 10th all-time in receptions. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, by the way, Cliff Branch, who played 72 to 85, that's before they started throwing it nearly as much. He, um, Yeah, he's actually has had more receptions. In the playoffs. He's 10th all-time in playoff receptions. Uh, so, like, look. I look at Anquan Bolden. I think he's actually he's actually the perfect uh, guy to look at. In terms of why he's... It's not the Hall of really, really good. And why the emotion of it... You have to cut it, cut it out. Like, he's a Hall of Fame person. And he's had a career to which is remarkable. Like, look, he suffered an ACL injury in college. I don't know how many of you know this. Dan Breyer rem- reminded me last week, he played quarterback in a bowl game for Florida State. He was converted quarterback to wide receiver and was a tremendous one and then played quarterback in a bowl game for Florida State. Came back from an ACL injury, had an Achilles injury in the pros. Like, that dude just never... He never got old. He just got stronger and got smarter and found ways to compete even when his body had let him down. And Anquan Bolden retires, and you'll hear people say, oh, dude, that guy's a Hall of Famer. And I would ask you, when exactly was he a Hall of Famer? When was that moment? Because to be in the Hall of Fame, you don't just have to do it for a long time, which he he did it for a long time. But you also have to do it uh, at he's 14th all time in receiving yards, which is below Reggie Wayne, who will get in, below uh, Tony Gonzalez, below Isaac Bruce, who is yet to get in, which is crazy. Just above Henry Ellard. What a tremendous player he was for my Rams back in the day. Just above Torrey Holt, another guy who's borderline Hall of Famer. Above Irving Fryer and Jimmy Smith and Heinz Ward. Can you tell me the moment to which Anquan Bolden was the best receiver in the league? Right? Like, he had 1,400 yards with Arizona in 2005. Do you remember that Arizona team? They were 5-11. and 11. That Arizona Cardinals roster 
right, that he had all those yards on was a bad football team. When the Arizona Cardinals finally got good that year, when they finally got good shortly after that, they did so because Larry Fitzgerald was their best player. Right, So in his best years as a pro, on the best teams, I know they won, he won it with Baltimore, but when he went to a Super Bowl with the Arizona Cardinals, he was the second-best wide receiver on the team. Now, maybe that doesn't cut at you for, hey, you shouldn't take that, that shouldn't take away from him. Okay, that's, that'd be fair. The problem with that is he wasn't a top-five wide receiver in the entire league or even top 10, really good player. But we have a tendency to do this, that we always, guy retires, has had a long and storied career in a league which is really, not only difficult to be good, it's really difficult to be good for a long time. And he was good for a long time. You know, his last two years in San Francisco and Detroit. Did you know Anquan Bolden was in Detroit last year? There's a question I have for you. Music, did you know Quan was in Detroit last year? I actually did. Okay. Ramos, did you? I did not. Bayer, did you? I'm, I'm wondering if Dan Bayer, did you know that that Quan was in Detroit last y- year? Yes, I did. Was it because of fantasy football, or you just remembered? It? That's yes, exactly fantasy right. football. Yeah. Yes. Fantasy football does keep wide receivers more relevant than. Yeah, they it, used it to. wasn't like last August. I was going, ho ho, like Greg Anquan Bolden in in Detroit. That's something you got to look out for. <laughs> well, no, but like it was Greg, more like Greg waiver Jennings, wire stuff. Greg, Jen- Greg Jennings and I have since talked this out, but last year when he retired, okay, because remember the year before he was in Miami. And I was like, I joked on Twitter, like, didn't Greg Jennings retire already? They're like, no, he was in Miami last year. Like, I, I know he was. Like, I know Anquan was in Detroit last year. But, uh, and I know he had 67 catches last year for 584 yards. But my point was, like, his career kind of ended when he left San Francisco. Right? Didn't it? Yes. Yeah. Anyway. By the way, I did not play fantasy football last year. And that's why you didn't point. know, right? That's correct. No, I mean, like, on a fantasy football, on, like, a Thursday or a, sometimes on a Sunday morning, you're, like, looking for a wide receiver to play. Like, you have a guy who's out. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, my God, I got to add a guy. I just need a guy. You're like, holy cow, Anquan Bolden's still playing? Like, oh, yeah, he plays for – or you're on watching Red Zone, and, like, Anquan Bolden with a touchdown catch. Like, damn, Anquan Bolden's still playing? That happens all the time to me. Like, oh, you should know better. Like, stop it. I'm, I'm not – nobody quizzes me on – who the two wide receivers, three wide receivers are. There are guys that you think. I thought Greg Jennings. I knew he was with Miami, but he kind of retired when he when he left Minnesota. I mean, really, his career changed when he left Green Bay. And he had a couple of good years in Minnesota, albeit with subpar quarterbacks. Byer, do you think that Anquan Bolden's a Hall of Famer? No, I never. Uh, I, I always thought Larry Fitzgerald was the best receiver on the Cardinals team when he correct, was there. Correct. So he always has that shadow. People forget that year they went to the Super Bowl and nearly won it, if not for an incredible uh, throw and catch that Santonio Holmes in the end zone, right? If not for if not for that, Larry Fitzgerald might have been the best player in the entire league that year. He was that – I mean, Kurt Warner was good, but he had Anquan Bolden on one side and Larry Fitzgerald on the other. And when he was in trouble, he just threw it up to Larry Fitzgerald, who was just better. Than, that was Larry Fitzgerald – that's yeah. Larry Fitzgerald was the Hall of Famer. <laughs> it's funny because that Super Bowl, you talk about the Holmes catch, the Harrison INT at the end of the half. People forget about the Larry Fitzgerald touchdown that was could have been the Cardinals' moment to win right before 
Ben Roethlisberger let him down, and that Holmes catch happened. But yeah, I mean, Bolden was 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 really the good. Yeah, re- really good. But I think the the shadow of Fitzgerald in Arizona, and then even when he was at Baltimore and they won the Super Bowl, he was the top guy there. But it wasn't like we were blown away by what he did in Baltimore. What uh, without looking, what's the most catches you think he had in Baltimore? Oh, geez, um, seventy. 65. Wow. 65 receptions. Like, complete misperception. Like, oh, he was dominant when he was at Baltimore. Like, no, not really. And he had one of those years, he, he had the, I can't remember when he had the Achilles injury. And then he had two years in San Francisco that were actually very, very good. Statistically very good. Um, this is after he left Baltimore. He left Baltimore after they won the, after yes. won the Super Bowl, right? Yep. And then he switched teams. Like, at the end of the game, he's like, hey, thanks for the win. I'm going to go to the other locker room, and I'm going home with them, which was kind of weird. And he put up better numbers, but the team wasn't nearly as good. Never as good. Uh, anyway, fascinating to watch. But that's what we do every year is guy retires. He was really good. And he made, he made like three Pro Bowls. Like, come on, man. But we love him. And we want to show him how much we love him and how good a guy he was and how he always seemed to do the right thing. And now he's walking away from football to do what he thinks is the right thing and to try and help humanity. All that said, like, okay, but is he a Hall of Famer? Like, Hall of Famer is supposed to be like one of the all-time greats, and he just he's not. One of the all-time great guys, one of the all-time good players, but that's not supposed to be the litmus. That's that's why I didn't believe that that, that Biggio should make the Hall of Fame. It's like, oh, he had 3,000 hits. He played all these positions. Like, yeah, but he was never one of the top five, top ten players in baseball, ever. Ever. Anyway. Um, and then we're doing this again in Houston. Deshaun Watson struggled over the over the weekend in their second preseason game. He was three of ten, 102 yards passing. Benjamin Albright, who covers the team, said spoke with the Texan source, who says some of the media may be pushing Watson, but Tom Savage is firmly in control of the quarterback race. I watched the first game. I watched the second game. It's not close. Savage is much more under control, much better in the pocket. And some of it is we have to remember the Texans took Deshaun Watson. before He went in the first round, but many people thought he would go in the second round. And the reason was at Clemson during his final season, during the regular season, he stayed in the pocket. They did not have design runs for him. And he had a much higher number of interceptions. Because he's continuing to evolve as a passer. And then when they went to the college football playoff, they just let him play. And they're just like, hey, run for first downs. Design runs. Scramble and and tuck and run it. Don't worry about squeezing it into a tight spot. Do what you do best. And that's when they were more successful. They blew out Ohio State and they won the national championship game because of Deshaun Watson. We do this every year. We saw a guy. We're like, we're convinced he's going to be a good pro. He's a great kid. He's really smart. He's the future of the NFL. And you're like, okay, that's fine, but he's not ready to play. Tom Savage, who you've never heard of, you don't think is great, but is more ready to play now. It's so painfully obvious that like, are you really going to question Bill O'Brien and who he thinks is better? But we do this. And people play guys too early, and they end up screwing them up. That's part of what happened in Jacksonville. Like Thursday night, if, if you watch that game, Thursday night in Jacksonville. My boy, Blake Bortles sucks. I'd agree with you. 
And there have been other issues, multiple uh, different offense coordinator every year. They've had issues at left tackle. But one of the big issues is they didn't want to play Blake Bortles right away, and they played Blake Bortles right away. Like, we're not going to play him right away. We're not going to play him right away. We're not going to play him right away. And then he plays good in the preseason. Like, you know what? He might be more ready. Like, no, he's not. So I like Watson just like anybody else. I hope he succeeds. But every year we seem to fall into this this trap where we like a guy in college. We see his entire career. He wins his last game. And we want him to be Vince Young and play right away. How'd that end up for Vince Young? Daniel Jeremiah joins the show next. I'll ask him about Deshaun Watson. I'll ask him. He also covered the Rams. I'll ask him about Jared Goff in year two. He, he just saw the Rams play, and Goff statistically looked outstanding. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network will join us just around the corner. But first, are you hiring? Everybody says there's no jobs available. That's not true. There are jobs available. The problem is finding the right candidates for the right job. And the best way to connect the right candidates with your job is ZipRecruiter. Do you know you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click using ZipRecruiter's powerful technology that matches the right people for the right job, yours? Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified candidates, and they get immediate results. There's no juggling of emails to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. And right now, for my listeners, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Free. Like, there's no loss at all financially in doing this. Just go to zip, that's Z-I-P, recruiter, ziprecruiter.com slash Doug, D-O-U-G. That's ziprecruiter.com slash Doug. You want to find the right candidates for your job, not just candidates, but the right ones. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash Doug. Try it free. One more time, ziprecruiter.com slash Doug. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I believe, I believe he was at the Rams game. I think he actually covers the Rams games uh, for the Rams. So I got to ask him about the, the progress of Jared Goff. I got to ask him about uh, what's going on in Houston. Uh, it feels to me like Denver doesn't have a quarterback, or at least maybe Paxton Lynch won't ever be the guy, as today Trevor Simeon was named the starter. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. DJ, how are you? I'm doing great, Doug. What's going on, man? Good, man. Uh, okay, so you were at the Rams game, correct? Yep. Yes, correct. Okay, golf statistically looked great. Uh, but there are lots of questions going back to last year about whether or not he had it. What are your thoughts on how he looks two two games into the preseason? Well, I think he's. He, I thought he looked good the first week. You know, limited action, just the one drive there, had a touchdown drive. Uh, I guess two drives, I should say. He was in and out of there pretty quick. But then this week, I thought he played really, really well, and I thought you saw kind of the benefits of what they've done in the off season uh, when you look at adding protection with Andrew Whitworth. I mean, he had a nice, clean pocket for the majority of his time in that game. Um, you, add, uh, you add a play caller in Sean McVay where everything seemed to be working off of one another. That stretch run game, and they complement that with some boots where golf can get out on the move and get real comfortable. And then you add playmakers. I mean, Cooper Cup is a rookie. 
has become his third down go-to guy already. And he can uncover and, and, and create some space. And we saw Sammy Watkins get in the mix and Gerald Everett, the rookie tight end. I mean, it's a totally revamped skill position group, and I think it's much improved. I think all that kind of coming together, you're seeing Jared Goff look a lot more confident and a lot more comfortable, albeit, again, it's preseason, but it's a good sign. Okay, so uh, the, my, my question revolves around Sammy Watkins. Anytime a guy yeah. has a foot problem, right, and he's had a bunch of little injuries, but a bunch of injuries, but anytime a guy has a, has a foot problem, keeps him out most of the year, and then the team that has him is like, nah, we're good when he's coming up on a, on a contract year makes me think that Buffalo knows more about his foot than anybody else. Or is it just Buffalo trying to, you know, hit reset for, for next year? Like, d- doesn't that give you the heebie-jeebies if you're watching the Rams and they're bailing on Sammy Watkins? Yeah, I mean, look, you can, you know, they also just bailed on a corner that's, you know, 23 years old, maybe even 22 years old, who was a runner-up for a defensive rookie of the year two years ago, Ronald Darby. Um, and look, Doug, I go up to all these training camps. Everybody in the league is trying to find a corner, and the Bills parted with one with a ton of ability that's uh, got two years left on a rookie deal. So I think the thing in Buffalo, more more about them just use, use the word reset, you know, cleaning out everybody pretty much that's there and bringing in a whole new fresh set of guys and trying to install a new culture there with, with McDermott. But, uh, yeah, look, foot, foot, foot uh, issue with a speed receiver, no doubt is going to be a concern. But that's why you pay your medical people to uh, to give you an answer on that one. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, just like you said, Jared Goff seems to have improved, and they put better skill position around him. He looks totally different. It, it to me, uh, first couple of preseason preseason is like kind of like summer league, right? Your your first year you're going to have mixed bag in summer league as a rookie, but second year once you've been in a league for a year, summer league should be really easy for you. For Paxton Lynch, he got the start against the San Francisco 49ers. It should have been a showcase game. Instead, he looked like he still wasn't ready to be the starter. And then the Broncos today named Trevor Simeon the starter. What are your thoughts on what it means long-term for Paxton Lynch that he couldn't win the job in year two? Well, I mean, look, when they drafted him, I thought it was a project. I mean, I thought he had a long ways to go. He loved the size, the athletic ability, and the arm strength. But coming out of the offense he played in and, and some of the things you saw, I thought it was a, a long-term project. And you know, that being said, I wouldn't be shocked that he didn't start here in year number two. However, you're a little disappointed that you haven't seen more growth uh, from year one to year two. And, you know, I, I look at a guy like Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech, going to the Chiefs, another guy who had all kinds of tools, but, man, he just I thought he was a ways away, especially footwork and decision-making and those things. And you can already see just his brief time in Kansas City, his feet have gotten better. Andy Reid's done a really nice job of getting him comfortable, uh, getting him throws that he that he's really really dialed in and comfortable with and so you've got a nice base and a platform there and you want to see continue to see the growth so to me the concern would be with Paxton it's not that he hasn't got there yet it's that you haven't seen the distance traveled you'd like to see from year one to year two uh Deshaun Watson struggled in game two there's a report out of Houston Benjamin Albright said spoke to a Texan source who says some of the media are pushing Watson but Tom Savage firmly in control. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network joining us. You watched the film completely differently than how us, the layman. But I, I tell you, I, even game one against the Panthers, I thought Watson was good out of the pocket, not great in the pocket, especially in, in reloading and, in, and his accuracy. And the things that he did, you can't do in a real NFL game, whereas Savage was better in the pocket, which is how you're going to have to win. I, I don't think it's close, but 
yeah, there are members of my media brethren who badly, like, give it to Watson, give it to Watson. What are your thoughts having watched him in a short term? Yeah, look, he's not pinpoint accurate, and that really shows up when he has to try and drive the ball. You saw it in the first week on, on about three or four different seam throws um, where the ball kind of took off from him and got away from him, and those are throws you absolutely 100% have to make. Um, and so, look, he, I don't think he's ever going to be that. I don't think he's ever going to be pinpoint accurate, but I think you can design an offense and build an offense a little bit more around what he does well um, I, I don't think he's ever going to be somebody that's going to be a 66%, 68% passer at the next level. But I think with the defense that they have, I think maybe that's what gets some people in the media excited. You say, okay, we just need Deshaun Watson kind of run around, make a couple plays. That'll be enough because the defense we have, uh, that's that's easier said than done. It's not just you know making plays or you know it's protecting the football. And I think that to me is what the decision comes down to with Tom Savage. A little more comfortable in the pocket, yes. I think they trust him more to protect the football and, and keep these keep these games within reason because their defense is going to win a lot of those close games for them. I watched. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm just like I've become football loser, dude. I sit home and I watch your network, NFL <laughs> Network. I watch so many of these games on which they replay the local broadcast stuff. I can't catch them, but I watched live on NFL Network the Colts versus the Cowboys. And again, I yeah. understand it's preseason, but that first quarter, which was the ones right. Was yep. I mean it was it was like they were playing the JV. It was I think they had ten first downs. The Colts didn't have a single first down. And granted, Colts don't have Andrew Luck. I get it, but the 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 difference up front, offense to defense, Cowboys versus the Colts had to be alarming. If you're a Colts fan, you knew the Cowboys could mash people, but had to be alarming if you thought the Colts would be any different. And they have injuries, but was I wrong for what I thought I saw? No, no, it had the feel of a varsity JV scrimmage. I mean, it, it is what it is. Again, you don't have all your guys. I, I hate reading too much into these things, but um, I think we can. I think we can agree on the fact that if Andrew Luck is not out there, that uh, you know, if they won games with Matthew Hasselbeck when he filled in uh, a couple years ago, uh, Matthew Hasselbeck is Tolzien is not Hasselbeck. So that is a tremendous drop off from Andrew Luck to him. And without Andrew Luck on this football team, I mean, this could be uh, – let's get just way ahead of ourselves, Doug, and just way overreact to this thing. I mean, what, what if you get in a situation where Luck's injury is kind of prolonged and you're sitting there 1-7 uh, and seven, and then you can bring him back? Do you even bring him back at that point in time? You might be sitting on a lottery ticket with, with the top three pick in a draft loaded with quarterbacks, and you've got you know, an Andrew Luck coming back healthy the next year. That could be a, that could be a so bad it's good scenario for the Colts. Yeah, which is how they propel themselves to getting Andrew Luck to begin with. Daniel Jeremiah joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, I was told that the Chargers performed very well in the two scrimmages against the Saints, and and I know again here's one neither quarterback played yesterday, but but the Chargers without Russell Kung without some some of their starting out. They could not protect at all, and their defense was not particularly good against the Saints backups. Um, how, how, how problematic is the preseason games based upon you've seen with the Chargers? Well, I think what it did is it, it illustrated just how valuable and underrated Phillip Rivers is. And when you watch that game, the Saints, they had a zillion sacks, but they were bringing all kinds of pressure, exotic pressures, and the Chargers offensive line couldn't pick it up. Now, the good news is you get into the regular season and Philip Rivers is playing 
playing, Philip Rivers will beat that blitz. Uh, he'll he'll know where to go with the football. The ball will get out of his hands, and he covers up which what he's done throughout his entire career. He's been able to cover up whatever's in front of him. Um, and when you have Kellen Clemens in there, it's a, it's a solid backup, but he doesn't have those same tools in his toolkit to be able to uh, to expose a team that's going to be that aggressive up front. Like I think Car- Cardell Jones was awful. He's just not. He's just uh, there's a, there's another project for you. Uh, am I wrong? I'm in love with Jameis Winston, and I I do this with with hard knocks, <laughs> right? I like I know, but then I I also watch the product on the field, and I'm in love with Jameis Winston. Am, am I wrong to, with this level of infatuation I have with Jameis? No, no, you're not. I spent two days at Florida State last week and uh, was there watching practice and just being around their coaches and talking to everybody. And, and Jimbo Fisher told me you could set your watch to it. He said every night it would be about eight thirty, nine o'clock, my phone would ring, and it would be Jameis. And he would say, okay, just finished watching practice tape on his own, and these are the, these are the three things I screwed up on. Uh, these are the four play calls I really like this week. If we could just change one or two things, I think we should put this in the game plan. He said he did it every single night. The video guy told me he would get text messages from Jameis 1 o'clock in the morning saying, hey, I, I can't log in on my iPad five minutes there. Okay, now it works. Thanks. I'm good. I mean, he is obsessed with football. But he's also really good. Like, there can be guys that are obsessed with football, but you have to have talent. He has talent as well. well and the talent gets you, you know, this talent gets you in the door, but then it's, it's whether or not you're obsessed and all in the way he is, if you're going to have success. Um, uh, he's got no question. He's got the physical talent, but he's, he prepares like a maniac. All right. Give me a player who the league is talking about that we're going to be talking about after the first couple of weeks of the season. Ooh. Well, I mean, I think the cat's out of the bag uh, with Tariq Cohen, a uh, little back out of, out of Chicago, uh, North Carolina A&T, who had a big game. But he, they've been raving about him all throughout camp. Uh, he's definitely one uh, that I would keep an eye on. I think he could have a really big year there. Jordan Howard, uh, you know, second in the league in rushing last year. But this kid, when you get third downs, I mean, he's he's Darren Sproles. I think he's got more juice. Wow, more juice than Darren Sproles. Um, would you start Trubisky right away? Well, look, I, I – I think I would. I understand the money that you gave Glennon, and you want to bring Trubisky along slowly, but the biggest knock on Trubisky was he hadn't played enough. Now, the only way to rectify that is to get him on the field, get him some reps. I, I think you need to get him on the field sooner than later. All right, last thing before we let you go. I need you on the record because you're going to help us also leading up to the NFL draft. Okay? So as of, what is it, August, uh, this is like August 21st. As of August 21st, uh, give, I, everybody knows who the top four quarterbacks in the upcoming draft yep. would be. How would you rank them as of August 21st? As of right now, uh, over the summer, I would go Darnold 1. I would go Josh Rosen 2. Josh Allen 3, while fully recognizing he could leap all the way to the top. He's got the most talent of any of them at number 3. And then 4 for me, I'm, I, I like Falk a lot at Washington State, so I would put him there. Yeah. Yeah, and and Rudolph would be would be five, correct? Rudolph would be five. Yeah, I, I, Falk to me is a little bit underrated. I think he's a little under the radar. I think people hit on that offense that he plays in, uh, but I think he's a more I think he's just a better pure passer at this point in time than Rudolph is. Yeah. Rudolph's a big guy, though. No, he is a big guy, but he has some bouts with accuracy issues and 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 yep. and plays poorly in bad weather. But isn't that the problem at Wyoming? Didn't he complete what like fifty six percent of his passes? Yeah, he's his problem. Josh Allen tries to eat the whole the whole sandwich in one bite. I mean, he is he is big play hungry. He's going to have to learn to kind of take some, some easy stuff. So in, in a college football era where you get some inflated per, uh, completion percentages, he doesn't take a lot of those layups, man. He's, he's chucking it. All right, we'll see him against Iowa on the second of September, and we'll reconvene. I know you're joining us throughout the season. We're fired up to have you. In the meantime, get back to the film room. 
Uh, Jameis Winston apparently watching more tape than you. That's that's just embarrassing. <laughs> we'll, we'll catch up really soon, okay? See you, buddy. That's Daniel Jeremiah joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. He'll join us throughout the year. Is Le'Veon Bell's holdout finally coming to an end? Find out after we find out what's trending. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Oh, God, I'm ready for football. I'm so ready. So ready. So fired up. Uh, college football gets underway uh, this weekend. What do you What do you do, uh, Ryan? Ryan, music. What do you do in terms of college football? You went to like Cal State Northridge, right? Like you guys don't. Like you don't. Do you not get into the college football thing? Are you just like, or you just like everybody in LA? You latch on to whichever LA school is good. You're like, oh no, I'm a USC guy. I've always been a USC guy. But you didn't go to USC. What do you do? I, I was a USC guy growing up. And then I, now I just I watch whatever the top teams in the league are, and top teams in the league, top teams in the country are. I just kind of follow the national games that are going on at the time. Don't really have one team in particular that I latch on to, other than you know, like last season when someone like Lamar Jackson comes out of nowhere with the school like Louisville. Like I kind of was like, wow, he's really fun to watch. So I'll kind of lean towards maybe watching more Louisville games or something like that. Um, I hate to be the guy who points this out, but the. Lamar Jackson winning the Heisman Trophy thing was kind of a joke. I mean, just was. He was bad down the stretch, and like, oh, oh, look at the numbers and the. Well, he backed into it definitely. Like, no, I mean, what what he did though was he took the world by storm. He had the the Florida State game was just a complete and total blowout, right? I mean, just humiliated Florida State, and the numbers were obscene. But like, do you realize who he beat up on early in the year in order to put himself in that conversation? Yeah, their, I mean, their first game was against Charlotte. Just went Division One, right? Charlotte, Syracuse, uh, the Florida State game. He had 146 yards rushing, 216 uh, passing. But it was what the reason he won this Heisman Trophy because Charlotte, he had six touchdowns, no interceptions, and Marshall, he had five touchdowns, one interception. Those are 11 touchdowns, one interceptions against essentially two one AA opponents. And then he had obscene numbers. He had 200 yards rushing and 411 yards passing against Syracuse, who was terrible. He's a, he's an incredible athlete, and I like watching him play. But like, honestly, you put a lot of those guys against that same competition, and you leave them in long enough in an offense-heavy uh, uh, setup, and they'll put up crazy numbers. They'll put up crazy numbers. And lost his last three games. Let's see what happens this year as Lamar Jackson is fun to watch, a fantastic athlete. I don't think he's an NFL quarterback in the end, but he's unbelievable to watch. Let's get to the press. The press. Dan Beyer joins us. Dan, what do you got for me? Uh, Doug, before we get to the news on on Bell, just to keep people updated, updated, Trevor Simeon, the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos, officially got the job today beating out Paxton Lynch. And Andy Reid says there's no gray area. Alex Smith is their starting quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is the second string, and that is that. That's really mm. smart. Mahomes is very talented but has a lot of refinement, and I think they're going to try and sit him all year, and ultimately he'll he'll be the guy next year. Right. Some other NFL news, and we mentioned Le'Veon Bell, and ESPN reports says the Steelers running back is expected to end his contract holdout after next week's preseason game. Bell hasn't signed his one-year franchise tender yet, can't get a long-term deal because that deadline passed. And, by the way, because he hasn't signed that tender, he 
doesn't have to be at practice or at training camp, but it's expected he'll be back after week three of the preseason. One hundred billion dollars. So what? What? So he's signing the tent, right? So this is yeah. all over nothing, right? Yes, essentially, he just didn't want to go to training camp and risk injury, but that's why Le'Veon Bell hasn't showed up, but yeah. should be there next yeah. week. Yeah. The, the question just becomes: Is his training with his own personal trainer quick to a training? Does that keep him in good enough shape so that he doesn't have a soft tissue injury before he gets into football shape? That's the only question. Jets linebacker Darren Lee's been cleared by the NFL for a potential violation of the league's personal conduct policy. This following an incident with a woman at a concert in June. If you remember this, Doug, um, Leonard Williams was shown on video trying to break up the fight. NFL looked into it, said there was nothing there. Jets head coach Todd Bowles characterized it as a fight with his girlfriend. There was one witness who said it got physical, but the NFL couldn't find any evidence. So Darren Lee is scot-free. Uh, I'm guessing that the video ends up freeing him, that there's enough video there. Because otherwise, when it becomes a he said, he said, she said, or a he, she, they, everybody said, the NFL is, they're trying to be vigilant here. They don't want video to pop up, which proves them to look foolish like they did with Ray Rice. The eclipse was all the rage today, except... In the Twin Cities. That's because Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer had the team practice inside today, telling reporters because he had eye problems, he has one good retina, he can't lose two. So the Vikings <laughs> actually practiced right, inside right. today. I, I love Mike Zimmer, and I feel terrible he's had all these eye issues, right? Um, Vikings are, like, maybe my most interesting team. Uh, they part ways with Adrian Peterson, who, by the way, the Chargers guys said Adrian Peterson looked incredible. Incredible. They're like... I, he looked incredible. And if they can keep him fresh, he's going to have a good year statistically. But um, I love what they went out and did at running back in the draft. Uh, I'm a uh, – and Delvin Cook. I like, yeah. Del, I like Delvin Cook, who's going to be their starter. Seven carries, 40 yards. Sam Bradford, I think, if you protect him, has shown himself to be deadly accurate. And I think Stephon Diggs in this offense uh, should be a pro bowl to all pro caliber this will be a year which I think Stephon Diggs, it, it becomes recognized as one of the top five wide receivers. Top five wide receivers Ooh. in the NFL. Ooh. Uh, we got some good news for John Ramos. Maybe not as good news as meeting Kevin Hart last week. But Dodgers pitcher Clayton Kershaw is going to make a rehab start on Saturday at AAA Oklahoma City after throwing a simulated game today. Kershaw has been out since July 24th with a back strain. Yeah, simulated game was four innings today, right? Four innings yep. for the Dodgers who did lose a game over the weekend. That's actually news when they did lose again, they I think they lost two to the Detroit Tigers, uh, which is stunning stuff. But they continue one. one? Yeah, they just lost yesterday. Didn't they lose uh, the first game to the, to no. the Tigers? No, they had a six-game win streak, which now we don't even care about anymore because they've been winning so much. But that that ended yesterday. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Well, let me just. I, I I'm not saying like okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I I don't think you're right. I know you're right. Like you're going to be right more than I'm right on this thing. I, I thought they lost like Thursday or Friday. No. Just stop talking. Go to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've got some miscellaneous props for the Mayweather-McGregor fight, according prop to bets, Bavada. Prop bets, go. go. Okay. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, who, I'm in. who will have more people with them during the fight walkout? Right now, Floyd Mayweather at minus 175. Uh, Justin Bieber not going to be in the walkout, though, apparently. Does Justin Bieber show up in the McGregor walkout, or, uh... is, he, or is the pastor like, you need to get rid of all ties to all... Uh, fighters. Well, that right now Bieber walking out with Mayweather is plus three hundred. So yeah, so that seems like a long shot. How about this one? You want to talk about trolling, Doug? Will Nate Diaz walk out with Floyd Mayweather? That's a bet. Plus one fifteen. Yes, no. 
minus one sixty. So if you bet yes, you bet a hundred. Because, you're gonna win because Nate Diaz beat him, but then lost. Yes. Yeah. Didn't they, didn't they lose in the rematch when they were when they, when Nate Diaz? Because uh, the first yep. time he, he was, it was a different. He didn't pass. He didn't. He meet, meet the weigh in because it wasn't it wasn't supposed to fight Diaz, right? So, um, you yeah, could, I, I wouldn't take either of those. Beavers. Oh, who has more people? Mayweather's going to have more people. I don't uh, think it'd be close. Which fighter will have a longer walkout? And that is from the first note of the entrance music until the fighter puts one foot on the mat. Floyd Mayweather minus 155, Connor plus 110. Uh, I'm going to go McGregor. Ooh, interesting. Even if Floyd's got more. Yeah, the one thing, though, is about is, is they, they, they check him. McGregor's used to the UFC thing where they, you know, they check you basically for guns and knives, right? Like, they really do. Like, they patch you down. Like, wow, is this really needed? Whereas boxers, they, they do the whole walkout and just hop into the ring. So I don't know, but I, I do think McGregor wants to make a huge show of it. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Are you guys going to buy it? Yes. Yes. You're going to buy the fight? What about you, Music? Uh, I, don't, I probably won't buy it because I'm still going to be in Vegas, but I'll watch it somewhere. You have to pay money unless you do the you sit in the room next to the fight. Like That's what they've invited us to do, which is like most media people. Okay. They're giving away no freebies, by the yeah. way, is what I've been told, right? So for these big Mayweather fights, they have like a media room right next to the arena. Like, oh, you can hear the arena, you can smell the arena, you can taste the arena, but you can't be in the arena. But you can watch an big screen. You can do that or you're going to go to like a bar. If you go to a bar, you actually have to pay in Vegas usually some sort of cover to get in to watch the fight. Yeah, I haven't exactly figured it out yet because I have one of my best friends lives in Vegas, so I'm kind of just waiting to see exactly what he wants to do. So that's where we're going. But it it may be a bar, or I don't know if he plans on having people over where we're going to buy the fight at his place. How, best friends, like, is he a best friend enough to go like, no, 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 your money's no good here? Or is he a best <laughs> friend to be like, hey, dude, you got to throw in on this? Uh. I would say he is a best friend who would be like, no, 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 your money's no good here. But he did just have a child. So part of me is like, I don't need you taking money away from your child. I'll pay for half of it. Yeah, you guys are going to argue over it? Just you buy the pizza, he buys the fight. That's, yeah, that's something probably like what that, you yeah. should do. Major League Baseball is turning into the NBA, and it's turning me off. I'll tell you how next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Have you guys seen this stat? So, um, Aaron Judge struck out again yesterday. 37th consecutive game, setting the all-time record. Right? It's like Nuka Lelouch. He hit a home run that hasn't landed yet. A new league record. He struck out for the 37th straight game. Another new league record, right? Anybody seen Bull Durham knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, four uh, percent of of four uh, percent of the time people hit a home run. Thirty percent of the time this year in Major League Baseball, all time high, the player strikes out. So thirty four percent of the time, the only three people needed in a Major League Baseball game are the pitcher, the catcher, and the hitter, right? No one else is involved. Scoring is up, home runs are up, yet strikeouts are way up. And what's changed is Major League Baseball, they finally they finally said, hey, you know, the math tells us it's way harder to put together a five-hit rally than it is to get somebody on base on a walk or an error and then hit a home run. Josh Donaldson famously said money's in the air, right? And he's right. 
teams have finally gotten smart and they're like, we're hitting home runs. We're not these. Don't choke up on strike two. Don't choke up. Okay, choke down and swing big. It has nothing to do with chicks digging the long ball. It's all math, just like the NBA has gone away from the mid-range game and gone to three-point shots. The difference is in baseball, because there's these huge lulls, you can go to a game and see four or five home runs and not see anything else, and it's kind of boring. It's the like the opposite of what you would think. You would think scoring up, home runs up, I got to watch it, and yet I was watching the Pirates and, and uh, Cards yesterday. You see, they shook hands afterwards, which is great. All the little leaguers were there. They played a minor league park. Great idea. Problem is, baseball has gone the way of basketball in understanding analytics and how to score better, and it's working, but it's not as good a watch. It's not as good a watch. It's not like I'm yearning for a post-up or yearning for a mid-range game, but there was something to it, and there was is something to laying down a bunt, moving a runner over, getting a three- or four-hit rally with rally caps and smacking one in in between somebody's sticky wickets. Lane Kiffin joins us tomorrow. That'll be fun. What he learned from Saban. And we'll see if he'll tell us what he hated. Next. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Traveling for one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Do yourself a favor. Stay at Graduate Hotels, Bridgestone Arena, Target Center. Their hotels are close to both tournament venues. So why would you stay anywhere else? I love staying at the Nashville location, and I'll be at the Minneapolis location for the Big Ten Championship. And if you're one of my listeners, you can save 30% off with the promo code DOUG. That's DOUG, D-O-U-G. Good at any Graduate Hotels location, up to 30% off. How do you do it? Really simple. Book today at graduatehotels.com. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.